Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, I want to break down into very basic components and more be kind of like a, a guy at a bar just kind of bullshitting. I don't want to be too academic, but feminism. It's just these isms, you know, and it's hard to describe experience through the lens of a woman because I'm not one. So the only thing I could really actually kind of do for the most part, aside from reading all of feminist theory and digesting it into its uh, ultimate maxims, you know, it's just not really, it's not really doable. For most, what guys have to understand is it's, it's hard to conceptualize these uh, frameworks of knowing without experience. So you can't really uh, make uh, sharp claims or arguments or uh, discuss more fluently what it is to be a part of a, a feminine perspective. But as a man uh, presenting it to you now, it's sort of more along the lines of if you're a dude, you're coming out of high school or maybe you're in college, I think this episode's for you. If you want a detailed approach to feminism, I'd probably just like, like go somewhere else for this. But let me just give you a distilled take on what I think feminism is. So let me just give it a shot like I always do. Feminism is sort of understandable in this sense. Don't try to define reality. Don't try to send be benchmarks for what uh, the gendered approaches to reality. Don't put don't put uh, boundaries on my reality and assign everything that's in it to me or for me in these sort of uh, ways. And of course, there's a big discussion on what makes gender and what actually is a male or a female activity and and so on and so forth. And these are worthy things because people oftentimes will at least women, I think it's more, more common for women to be like, I'm going to play soccer, I'm going to play sports, which is typically more of a, a male gendered thing. It's that activity, you know, it requires a lot of physicality and a little bit of toughness, right? But you know, they like doing these things. Embedded into this is the understanding that certain roles had to be done, like over time, like in a sense, certain roles had to be fulfilled especially when um, a way of life required a lot more um, physical demand and, and possibly just rougher circumstances in the way of conducting society and building civilization and so forth. So I think that's understandable. But, you know, I also get like, okay, you've kept us away from advancing in any sort of professional, in any sort of professional way. We can't participate in uh, the, on, the ongoing uh, civilization thing, the work, the man, the physical manifestations of civilization, you know, the work world, because we've been kept from it because our, our reality has been defined for so long. Now we want it all. But you got to understand that you're not going to be at the top immediately, nor should you be entitled to think you should uh, get there and, and have that equal access because over time men have had an unfair advantage, right? Or just an advantage of being involved with everything that went into civilization. And then all these roles changed. And I understand, you know, you want to participate. Uh, you don't want reality completely defined for you. You want more liberation. But it should be known that this wasn't the way of life more generally uh, in the past. And you could maybe blame this on the paternal Western approach, but this has been a normal thing uh, for, for many parts of the world, culturally, you know, when women weren't always on the hunt. You don't find a lot of women on the hunt uh, in the uh, earlier stages of uh, tribal culture or in expanding civilizations. You just don't really, like, see that. So it's kind of understandable that 
maybe you're not in a position for women to uh, have the roles of power, to have uh, more access, opportunity, control over uh, in this way, because there's a united kingdom of men, so you know, essentially associated with this whole idea. And men have been in control all throughout time. So of course you wouldn't expect, uh, you know, to just come in and then have it all become equal overnight. I'd say there's been a considerable amount of progress when you think about uh, how integrated it is. It's actually quite phenomenal uh, the way we've gotten along in this way. But it should be noted that, you know, you can't just expect this to just happen for you right now. Because you have to understand over time, the integrated process uh, is Johnny Come Lately. You know, first come, first serve, so they say, you know, so if you arrive lately, you're not going to have a united front and you're not going to have all of these uh, people who are uh, sharing power across the genders or the sexes because you just haven't been there long enough. You know, that makes sense. There's also kind of this joke where like women uh, started to join the workforce uh, in droves once uh, the AC units were invented and people started working inside more. You know, uh, and hunting, hunting the hunting the uh, the mammoths on the the icy plains. You know, at the tail end of the ice age. You know, it wasn't women out there. You know, doing all that stuff, all the dirty work. You see, it was once things got a little less messy that they started to join the fun. Right. <laughs> so there's a little bit of humility that goes into the domain of civilization, and it should be noted that I think it's fair that there's a lopsidedness among civilization in the work world because I believe that has been uh, the dominated framework that has existed over time and that doesn't just dispense immediately in the united front for men. That's just how things are. Not to say that you'd want to strip people of what they want to do and and to see to it that um, a work world could flow with women of high places and uh, in a uh, variety of roles in a variety of situations. But we should also um, make it pretty clear that men and women are different biologically and their interests are different and their chemicals are different. And this talk about there's no real difference is... That's just insane. I don't know how uh, people are conceptualizing this, but uh, people's realities, you know, people's energy body... People's chemistry, people's heritage, people's cultures, physicalities, everything is different. People are different. It's okay. Sexes are different. And to say we're equal across the board is just, how would you define or get to know anything at all if there wasn't any contrast? It just, this notion's kind of driving me crazy, but... But for feminist philosophy, they see the the male role of argumentation being that of uh, aggression and competition and they're right there's a lot of they call it mansplaining but really that's just when someone makes a good point and explains it in logical detail they'll just call it mansplaining but really that's just their own insecurity for not you know being able to talk to someone like a grown adult who's of the other sex uh, about issues concerning gender or whatever it is you know (laughs) you know it's one it's one thing to be uh, from another perspective, not understand what it's like and, and and pontificate like you know, but it's another to start discussing points, but to just be, uh, you know, have the, the valve turned on you like, well, you can't talk, you're, like, you're silenced in the situation because you're just mansplaining. 
rather than actually just making a point and being a man talking about a sexual issue, you know? So it's kind of strange, you know, but there's not a lot of terminology the other way around when a woman wants to make a point. It's not like you're just a woman explaining it. Like, no, we're just having a discussion on what we think about it, you know? And it's like the rational points win. And now you're feeding into the flaw of like, well, if you're being irrational, it's kind of feeding into that uh, male perspective of like women are irrational. Like maybe, maybe you are. And then that only feeds the flame. Like, oh, you calling me irrational? Like, yeah, I'm calling you irrational. <laughs> you're, you know? That's such a male chauvinist thing to say. Well, maybe it isn't. Because <laughs> you're just feeding that. There's a lot of things that get fed within that world when it's called out. It's it's like parried with, you know, that's just a stereotype you give. Like, well, maybe it isn't a stereotype. Maybe some things actually kind of hit. Claims about automation, uh, being an, an autonomous person. An identity doesn't happen as an atomistic self or in a vacuum that its own its ownness is its self-sufficiency, being that from that point of view, it explains everything, and it's not the case, or that it's unaffected by social relationships. Kind of like how I was saying um, how over time civilization's been dominated by men and you can't expect a complete overhaul. However, there is a critique that says that um, argumentation can be stripped of emotions, and uh, in, in feminist reconceptualization, there's a contrast between the the dulling of emotions that uh, people are denouncing the feelings of what's happening in order to explain reality so therein lies you know the point that there's a gendered expression of women are more emotional they are that's one way that the sexes differ so you have to be able to admit that if you're a feminist you know because you're saying it in feminist philosophy but it's agreed you know uh, atomistic self-concepts uh, need to be broken down and emotions need to be injected back into the understanding of what's happening because it can't be a sexualized discussion. It can't be irrational, but it can't just be purely rational without emotions. It can't be any of these things. You can't just talk shit about people for no reason without understanding your role. There is, just like class, uh, a sort of barring and leveling out of who gets access to what, what kind of social roles you get over time, and there's a uh, politics to becoming I'd, uh, identified with and among civilization and among the world uh, there is a class consciousness with feminism and how would it be seen in the contrasting roles of different uh, social orders or different ethnic groups or different countries can it be easily identified with gender with these different kinds of visions for different kinds of interests across class identity and ethnic lines and what might those be and how is neoliberalism, and how is the economy, and how is culture, and how is history, and how does everything factor in to the making of women's roles, and what counts as empowerment, uh, and what counts as, as value to society, and how we should see the statistic of power in terms of who is controlling what, and who's at what station at what time. Because statistics are going to be skewed, like I said at the beginning, over time you can't just expect a system that's been dominated and united through men to just disseminate through womanhood and, and those circles and that to be empowered and for that to just take off. It's hard for that to happen because it's of come lately. So you wouldn't expect that to all just medium out like that. So I repeat myself again, but in market capitalism, there is a tendency for aggression, sociopathy, a lack of emotions, and competition. It's not very pretty, and neoliberalism like promotes this kind of warring state, and that's very male. So if that's the case, maybe that's not the happy place, you know? So if we look at it that way, like, should we just, you know, alter that? Make it more feminine? Because it's not. You really want to go there? 
Because if you do, then you're criticizing it, but you also want to be a part of it. So I don't really understand where that intersects. You know, you want more empowerment there, but it's inherently more male. So you want to take it over and make it more feminine. Well, maybe, maybe that's better. Maybe there needs to strike more of a balance. Everything's a balance. But you see, so therein lies the problem, you know, it's how do you have access to the power and get the power? We have to work within the system. If you don't like the system, you can't work with it in order to get it. And then you can't change it once you're in it. Power is the capacity to act or to attain a future good. Social goods, power, prestige, self-esteem, opportunities, self-development, the ability to transmit ideas, the ability to uh, roll out operations, qualify, having qualified personnel, having uh, support, having self-development, having interpersonal development, having collective development, having physical development, economic security, a redistribution of equi equitable ways of wealth, uh, increased wealth. So in a way, there's a, a dealing with the eminence of what there is and a transcendence of what there can be. And that would be like to act uh, with the capacity to attain a future good. And that would be the kind of power that feminism would probably seek. And of course, there's an issue uh, with women and rape. About 18% of women in the United States are victims of rape or attempted rape. That's about one in five women. That's a lot of trauma and distrust to be dominated in that way. Now, of course, the statistic is, it points towards, well, look, men are more commonly rapey and violent. Therefore, men are an issue. Well, men have typically been sexually aggressive and wanting to go after women. They seek to spread their seed around, and women passively wait to receive those that they want to for various reasons. So they select for various sorts of reasons, and they're typically not as sexually charged up or aggressive about it. It's not part of their chemistry, so to speak. It's another way the sexes are different. They say that in history that they're uh, property of men, that men controlled women as property, and that they are valued for sexual purity. There has been this thing where, where an, usually an, a little older male marries down, or marries down in age, typically, because they're essentially virgins. Uh, they're mo uh, very healthy, and they have this sexual sexually appeasing aesthetic and there's this idea of sexual purity there because it's understood that once you get near 40 miscarriages and uh, genetic issues of various kinds whether it be autism or retardation or whatever it is it's just a known fact that um, that issues occur the older you get when you try to have kids and re really it's because uh, me I have like this three-year window for me I wouldn't date anyone younger than 27. I wouldn't date anyone older than 33. That's just how I do it. But also, I don't, there's a reason why I don't want to date someone who's 40 is because I want to have a kid with somebody and not someone who's 40, younger. You know, I, I want it to happen soon, sooner than later, you know. And it's also something for men to, to appetite for younger, you know. You, you want to like kind of stretch out those, those banging hot days. Yeah, it's, it's understandable, I guess. It becomes less important, but in terms of, uh, you know, selecting mates, it's kind of understandable. Uh, radical feminists see rape as arising from a patriarchal construction of gender and sexuality within the context of broader systems of male power. Now, that, that, that's kind of true because in the context of broader systems of male power that involves money and control and domination and all these sociopathic people who are typically, like, at the top and are running the culture industry and stuff, like, yeah, of course you're going to have predation because women are going to go after these 
these people because they value that. They're like, I'm going to get all this money because this person has all the resources and they're just going to summon me up through whatever means, Instagram or like my OnlyFans and my, my all these accounts. And that's what they see. So that's what women go towards. And then they get used, right? We've been over this, like with my friend Ezra. And, and like we've, we've created a culture where they get rejected because they're just being used for sexual purity, you know, essentially raped, but consensually. Like, it's not with someone that actually wants to take care of them and actually cares for them. So, of course, that's a patriarchal construction, you know, that kind of arises out of uh, dark powers. And, and I think rape also happens through this very process. Like, if, you, if you're not loving the men in your community because you're always going for this ideal that will never love you, then you have sex-starved males, and that's just a recipe for date rape, a disaster, from the college campuses to the bar scene, you know, all the way up. So that kind of feeds in on itself. It's like you got to change the, the culture in a sense, and then that stuff will go away because men really, they want to care. They want to care for and provide and protect. They do. It's 100% what, what men want. I believe that. And they want to be loved just about as much as women do. Uh, you know, but you will get these uh, scientific claims um, about women that their uh, corpus callosums are bigger and that they can't, that it impairs spatial relationships. But also it should be noted that these things are also mutable and that maybe there's an edge. There's always an edge to the sex, but like everything's mutable too. It's not like things can't change or grow, you know, or can't be fostered. Because if you cut it off and you define people's realities, you know, they're going to think that that's just not something that you are, or like you're gonna minimize or reduce it. So I understand where it's coming from. You know, it should be understood. Like sex determinism and gendered things and uh, different biological things are more mutable and they wax, wane, and can be developed and they're all in play. But sex determinism is just, here's an egg, here's a sperm, that's it. But we can't see gender in that rigid form is kind of the point they're trying to make. And then there's also sex markets. Some, some empowerment, some people of empowerment think that uh, getting naked and stealing people's money is empowerment when really that's just preying on the men that don't have resources that want women who don't want them, who try to get men with resources, who reject them and then they prey on them. So they're just feeding the same cycle and they think all men are predacious, but it's not true and it's just feeding the rape cycle and they blah, 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 blah. like it's feeding itself. So, but there's also feminism that goes like, well, all that's degrading, you know? All of that's delineating the personal uh, point of view of love uh, and union and, uh, you know, not being seen as an object and not being uh, treated in that way and not feeding into the disaster that is, you know, chasing these bodily ideals around and not having like true love and stable relationships and stuff. But if there's ever a time not to say, maybe you don't know what's good for you, it would be a bad time to tell any grown woman. But you know, some of them don't. But... It's better to just use language such as there's certain cultural modes of being that do not serve the individual and promote a disservice to them in the way they behave without them knowing and that it involves a patriarchal construction of gender and a culture that creates the demise of relationships that you have and preys on you and you think that's all men but really that's not all men that's just the thing you're buying into. If you're buying into their patriarchal construction, you're destroying uh, the sexual relationships, you're destroying the gender relationships, and it's feeding into the wrong things for people under, who aren't the problem, but become the problem due to other extraneous, um, you know, sex-starved ways of being, you know? It just creates a culture of disarray 
and you, and you, you know, the wrong things happen and it creates the wrong idea and vision between the genders. So we need to correct this and uh, explain this. And here I am, you know, you have to get on the mic. Like you have to be vocal. We're in a democracy and you have to make good arguments. But there is kind of this, maybe it's a cultural creation. Maybe gender is a cultural creation. Well, maybe gender is just a, a, an emergent phenomena of behavior that could be explained through different physical markers that are more prevalent uh, among a certain sex. And then you'd have a definition and slide scale of what the sexes are involved in. You know, this maybe talk like just creates a room for more uh, ridiculous runaround discussions that go nowhere and no one actually tackles the issue. It's, I'm just so tired of that. So much of that in colleges. It's like no one has any idea. It's all a big maybe and no one's able to put their foot on the ground and be like, hey, maybe it's not a maybe and maybe culture has nothing to do with it. It's just there's physical markers that suggest different behaviors. And then there's an emergent phenomena of gendered roles or gendered expressions or gendered culture that seems to make sense of those things. They're, they're like a product out of that. And it wouldn't be something that could be argued. I mean, like maybe you could say it varies, but there's no more maybe. It's just... You can't say it's a cultural creation at that point. It's either a physical emergent phenomena or it's just purely cultural. I don't think it's purely cultural and there's no maybe. So it's another way that these isms don't have their shit together. But one, some people uh, have a better idea. Like in the West, we discriminate against trans people. We're seeing that a lot of that. But the Navajo and the Cheyenne and the Lakota, they had the Burdash. And in a lot of cases, uh, they're kind of held in higher esteem because they could go in between male and female roles. You know, I mean, they could sit around and, and, and be feminine and do that, but they could also go on a hunt, you know, and they, they had two gen, like two genitalia. So this wasn't seen as a threat. They're actually celebrated. But here we're too individualistic and there they're more collective. So what are, what are you going to do? So that's more of how it's organized. Um, in our society, we just define them as, as, as more of a nonconformist way or an abnormal or a deviant, and it has a negative connotation. It's just basic sociology at that point. The West has a little bit of backward stuff. We're just trying to deal with the whole, like, indoctrination process. And, of course, you know, like in Michigan in 1999, a man was charged for using foul language in front of a woman and a child. Like, that's one way to bar reality and, like, get people to believe that only certain genders could be a certain way, you know, is to arrest a man for... You know, you're using foul language for children, uh, you know, for children, for one, it might be understandable, but for women, it's like, they're an adult, you know, and like, you're going to define language, foul language as being a male thing and arrest someone over it is very interesting, to say the least. So I think, that, you know, to burn it down to his essence, for the most part, feminism comes down to not liking the minimization of the sex and to be able to express what you want to be and not to be classified as an ought to be a gender behavior among the sex. No moralist claim to classify someone and minimize their expressions, basically. So that's my Feminism 101 for what it's worth for you high school kids and, and, and whoever needs this. Uh, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.